Welcome to the That's Teaching Life podcast, where I help keep teachers motivated and inspired. Welcome along to this episode in the That's Teaching Life podcast. And this podcast, in case you're new, is all about helping to inspire teachers to stay motivated, to avoid burnout and to become a better version of themselves. So what you're going to hear is you're going to hear interviews with teachers. You're going to hear my personal thoughts of how to stay motivated because I know what it's like. It can be difficult if you're working in the school system. Maybe it's toxic. If you're working in a language academy, maybe it's toxic. So how do you stay motivated and how can you take your teaching to the next level? Now, in today's episode, I wanted to talk about learning a language and teaching a language. And I think one of the things that's very important when it comes to being able to teach a language is if you have been a learner yourself. Um, because there's going to be many things that we see that are going to help you become a better teacher. Now, what I found is that most language teachers that I have talked to have actually learned a second language. And this allows the teacher to put themselves in the shoes of their potential students. I mean, if you don't speak a second language or you haven't learned a second language, you may have a little bit of an uphill struggle. And uh, we're going to look at some of the points um, about that. So let me talk about my experience of learning a second language. Now, my mother was from Panama, so Spanish was always spoken at home, although myself and my sister didn't really um, speak it as such. So when I say we spoken at home, I mean my mother spoke it, and then we were very fluent in our understanding of the language. But the spoken element, well, my dad used to speak to us in English. So I was bilingual in the sense that I could understand everything, but I couldn't speak it. And then coming up to my final years in school, I thought um, an easy subject, in inverted commas, I'm doing the air quotes there, would be to take Spanish. So I applied to take the Spanish exam and I was studying at home with my dad, I was studying all the grammar structures, etc. Now the first thing that did strike me was that while I had a grasp on the grammar, the speaking became a small problem because I wasn't used to it. Then I moved to um, university and I took Spanish as a subject. And there I saw the same type of challenges. I mean, my degree was basically a Spanish literature degree. We had speaking classes, but a lot of the times we didn't go to those speaking classes because they were so boring. I mean, we used to always laugh about the um, uh, the tutor, and I remember his office that had a beautiful vista of the Dublin Mountains, but uh, he used to talk to us about the disco bars in Spain. And we used to laugh at this term disco bars because it wasn't something that we really knew and it sounded like something if if anybody uh, here is from Ireland they will uh, probably know Leeson Street depending on their age and they used to be what were originally the nightclubs in Ireland so I suppose they were the equivalent of disco bars but we used to laugh at it and we just didn't feel that what we were speaking about was relevant to us and I think that's a that's a key uh, thing that we're going to talk about and then the second thing was that we had a language lab where we could watch the news and we could read newspapers. But again, that was not relevant to us. I spent a year in uh, nine months on an Erasmus program in a town called Valladolid, 
our city. And that's where my Spanish really improved because I was immersed in the language. And by the end of that trip, I remember getting a taxi to the airport and we were talking about different wines and types of wines to the actual taxi driver. This is like a 21 year old thinking he knows about his wines. Um, But then I came back, I finished my degree and I did really well on the literature and I just, just passed the actual oral examination. And I thought, I'm never going to use Spanish again. Fast forward, uh, what would it be? It would be 15 years later. My marriage had, uh, my first marriage had, uh, had collapsed, basically. And I met a Catalan girl who was really impressed that I could speak Spanish. And I remember one of the things that did impress her was that I actually knew how to say beetroot in Spanish, remolacha. And she was like, oh my God, I mean, an Irish guy who knows how to say beetroot, it was, it was kind of interesting. Now, um, lo and behold, the, my, my, my then girlfriend is now my wife and I use Spanish more and more. Um, and as luck would have it, or should I say, as luck would have it rather than have it, um, I saw a job for a recruitment company looking for a trainer with native level English and they had to have Spanish because it was an international training role which would take in South America. So I applied for it and I got it and it was based in Barcelona. So everything seemed to line up. And I came over here and one of the challenges that I found was that when I was working, the majority of my time was spent speaking English. So I didn't have that immersion. So my Spanish improved but I didn't improve exponentially. Like it did that year that I spent one year in Valladolid. So people used to say to me, oh, I know, I always know when you went for a weekend in Dublin because you come back and your Spanish isn't as as good. Now, I didn't just, I didn't go for, for Spanish lessons because I was using Spanish at least an hour or two a day. But here's a couple of things that I noticed. The more immersed I was in English, the less I used Spanish and my confidence levels went down. And even 11 years later in Spain, if we have to do something complicated, like uh, argue with our our cell phone provider, um, I get my wife to do it because that confidence is not there. What if they don't understand me? The second thing that I found is since I have concentrated on speaking, Sometimes my reading is not as good as it should be. And sometimes my pronunciation, if I'm reading something, I don't have that um, perfect pronunciation. And then the other thing that I found is that sometimes I can be lazy with the language, that I prefer just to speak in English. Now, an interesting thing happened. Um, Obviously, uh, living in Barcelona, the main language here is uh, Catalan. And I would say I'm 80% fluent in listening in Catalan, that I understand 80%, depending on the time of day, depending on how tired I am, but I understand 80% of what people say. And I've never taken classes. So that leads me to believe that immersion in the language is a huge step. On the flip side, um, when I started working, people started coming up to me and saying, hey, do you do English classes? And I kind of fell into English teaching. But what I noticed was that Spanish people 
who are very proficient with their grammar. I mean, they could tell me what the past perfect was. They could tell me what the conditionals were, etc. But the moment it came to speaking, they had a issue. So, I mean, they knew the grammatical, the structure of the language, but they couldn't speak it because they didn't have the opportunity. And for me, uh, in my role in the recruitment company that I worked in, I was able to travel a lot. And what I found was that people in other countries spoke better English than in Spain. The level overall in Spain is quite low. And the problem is that people don't speak. Now, this kind of goes, you know, I can understand it better as a language learner because my focus has been more on the listening and the speaking. And I, and I can understand and speak quite well, but grammatically, sometimes I have problems because I didn't focus on that because in Ireland, we didn't really learn second languages. I mean, if I'm honest, you know, I can remember learning Irish and French and I never learned anything. I never remember anything because of the way it was taught, etc. So as language teachers or language coaches, we need to be aware of that, that people may have a very good grammatical structure. So maybe when you are working with them, you don't need to focus so much on the grammar. Maybe you need to focus more on the reading, the writing and the speaking. And I would say that 90% of my clients come to me for speaking practice and how to be more confident at business meetings, how to speak uh, during business meetings. So think about that when you are planning lessons. Think about um, what's, first of all, your experience of learning a language, if you have. And if you haven't, think about that, that maybe they have the structure, but they don't have the practice. And I think that is going to be the key to helping you become a better teacher. Now, if you already have learned a second language and you've been teaching for a long time, you're probably already aware of this, but just make sure you remember it because I think it is really important. So for me, the, the key takeaway here is that we want to ensure that when we work with new students or new clients, however way you want to call them, that we do a little bit of an assessment to see where they need help. I mean, most of my students will say, I don't need help on grammar. I always do a quick review of grammar, but they want phrasal verbs, they want idioms and how to use them. So your lessons need to be very practical based, um, not just based in theory, but here's a phrasal verb. Now I want you to go to and use that in the next week and come back to me and tell me how you actually found the use of that phrasal verb. Was it easy? Did it sit well with you, etc.? And put yourself always in the shoes of your student so that you can say, this is the way they must feel. This is how I'm going to help them. So what's your next step? Your next step is to review the students that you currently have and then consider how you can help them more and how you can put yourself in their shoes and become a better teacher. And the key step, of course, is to make sure that you bookmark this podcast. I do hope that you'll uh, enjoy it. If you need anything, richard at richardbutler.coach is the best email to get me. Uh, if you're listening to this on Bcast, you can subscribe to my mailing list. If you're listening to this on Spotify, make sure that you give it a 
like, I think there's a like option there, and also add it to your favorites. And I'll see you next week. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast to be kept up to date when I release new episodes.